Welcome back to another episode of the Rankable Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank, and I am really excited to dive into the ranking factors study at SEMrush. Last year, Google was ridiculous. So many algorithm updates, and yet Erica Varanguli is joining me today, and we're going to talk about she is the head of SEO branding at SEMrush. She has been a regular speaker. Uh, she does, she's a webinar host. She's a awards judge on SEO and content marketing topics, worked with all sorts of companies. We're talking like Capterra, uh, Semantic, Travelix, ASICS, HSBC, you name it. She's been on it. She is a friend of the community. She cares so deeply about all of us SEOs and she doesn't deal with the BDS either. So I'm excited. Thanks for joining me today, Erica. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Garrett, thank you so much for this intro. I mean, um, I need the recording and I need to start selling myself more like that in the future. <laughs> thank you so much. We, we got to hype ourselves up. You know, nobody, well, no, we all have cheerleaders in, in our background, but like yeah. you, um, are all over the place talking about this ranking factor study. This is a massive analysis, a correlation study, if you will. Can we talk, before we dive into the questions, just give us a breakdown of what it is, what you aim to achieve at SEMrush with it. You and Marcus, well, Marcus, you know, and, and the whole team put so much work into it. So tell me about it. Yeah. So, so first of all, yeah, I would want to start with that. Like it's, I'm, um... I have the privilege of talking about the study and sort of raising awareness about things we found and uh, having very interesting discussions. But this is the this is the result of um, over six months of um, like some very, very capable and much smarter people than me working on this. So, you know, Marcus Tuber, um, who's our SVP of enterprise sales uh, of enterprise solution. Uh, Yulia Abramova, who's the head of our research team and her team all working on that, our brand campaigns team. So, so it's like those awards moments where you, you know, you get the Oscar for the film and say, I want to play with um, But I'm saying that to show that there's, there's a lot of people from different backgrounds and different kind of knowledge and, and skills um, working on that for a really long period of time. So the idea behind that, and I don't know how many uh, from, from our audience may know of these studies, like in the past, for example, Marcus used to do them a lot when uh, he was at search metrics and, and looking at what are the relations between factors or signals we know because someone from Google has confirmed they're using it or because many of us in the industry talk about them and, and have seen some sort of relation. But what can we observe in terms of those factors in relation to higher rankings of sites. The, the tricky part being that relation, and, and thank you for highlighting the correlation part at the start, which is, you know, there has to be a methodology into how we assess it. Obviously, we're not in the algorithm. We cannot directly kind of say, okay, we know it works exactly like this. We've tested it across like at a huge scale. We've also done correlation. Everything points that this is 100%. Uh, the cause. So what you do instead is you you try to measure that correlation. We use the Spearman model um, just because it 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 seemed and it it has been the most appropriate through through time to sort of test this kind of thing to see how how do um, ranking move how do rankings move when you check for a specific factor across the SERPs. We did that. We started with a with a big 
um, set of keywords. So that's that's our starting point, uh, which we cleaned up terribly though. Like it it shrank ten times. That's why we started with a really big um, sample as well, and and that allows us to study over three hundred thousand listings on the SERP. So so that's. That's a decent sample, right? Obviously, how much is too much? It could be more, um, but it's a decent sample to be able to to get to a stage where you can present some things. Like we saw that when we studied, um, for example, content relevance and how we measured it, we saw that it correlated to a higher degree than when we studied having a keyword in a URL. And and then it's just presenting the sets of factors. I have to say the, the final set was like we examined 60, 65 factors. Again, we had started with more, but we excluded um, a lot of them as well. And then for those factors, grouping them, so some are content related, some are backlink related, and sort of come come to marketers, come to business owners, come to people who, who work on a website and, and are curious to see, okay, so... Of all the things I hear as good or bad ideas, often contradictory opinions as well, can I see something? Has someone like studied any relations at scale? And that's what we aim to do is like say, okay, nowadays we studied these factors and we found these relations between higher rankings per factor. It's fascinating. So we're talking like 16,000 different keywords. You call out, it was uh, specifically the U.S. market. It's, you know, for mobile results. So, you know, mobile shows up differently than desktop. We know, like, that's why we joke in SEO. There's so much, like, it depends of different types of queries, different types of interest industries, different types of SERP features all affect all this. So to your point, you know, it's a fascinating correlation study to see, you know, what aspects of content, what aspects of linking influence it, but we don't necessarily want to take away this directly causes that. How, how can SEOs from your perspective, how should they use your study to inform their strategy while at the same time, maintaining a healthy skepticism about the direct impact of the identified factors on search rankings? That's a good question, because because also like obviously I've I've been uh, involved in conversations online about it, and and I I've heard people's like objections, or I've seen like posts being more on the causation side of interpretation, and I've I've stepped in to say, well, I think this is wrong. Um, but but here's where I'll start, because because when we started, obviously we all had our experiences of previous ranking factor studies, right? Marcus, myself, the team at Samrush, we've we've all done it before, and. And this is a this is a a big part of our fear. It's like, you know, go out there, publish this, then you get all the backlash because something doesn't resonate or because many people interpret it as causation and then you get the backlash if this is not what you did, you're lying, you know, we've we've been there. Um but we all agreed that the starting point is that when you're in SEO, like relying on data using data as a basis to make decisions is crucial, right? It's not the only thing or the only angle you, you have to come at things, but it's crucial. And we have tons of data. So it didn't make any sense for us to sort of decide to do nothing because the something we could do is not perfect or is not the answer to everything. So so that's a starting point. And the other thing also for me, um, which I'm a bit uh, like precious about. It's like I, I I often like I've worked with with small businesses, solopreneurs, and big brands, right? And 
and people are interested, like their livelihoods is, is on their website. So when they go online and they research or they go on social media and they see what people post, they end up being very confused at some point, right? Especially if they don't practice SEO. So, you know, they hear, um, this is a tactic, this is my strategy and it worked amazingly well. And then they might find something else that says, we tried it and, and everything went wrong. Or I may see, you know, Google said this, like, um, I don't know, John Miller said this or Gary said that, and then see tons of, of tweets or posts about it saying they're lying to our face. This is not true. Don't believe them. So, so I think this is a very tricky, these are like weird waters to navigate for, for anyone in this. And, and for us and for me, the idea in particular, and that's why you'll see it throughout the study. It's not like just in the methodology or we added a huge limitations part at the end, but throughout the, the study, which I know was a bit long. So apologies to anyone who suffered through reading it all, Garrett, I think you were one of them. Um, we made sure to highlight that, you know, we, we found this, but we are not interpreting it as, okay, do this then and you'll rank or don't do this uh, or do this and you'll suck. You'll, you'll tank if you do this. And we make sure that every factor we analyze, we add like a practical element of what does this mean for you? And, and when we were writing it up, we were thinking, okay, the person we're talking to is not Garrett, right? Is not Erica. The person we're talking to may be a junior SEO, like in their first role in a team, trying to, to propose to their manager what to work on next, or a small business owner who pays a freelancer and is not sure what they should allocate their budget to, like, okay, what? So making it clear that, that this is correlation, for me, the, the, ideal, the ideal scenario is that regardless of who you are, uh, when you read it, is that it it pushes you to to really think critically about the things you are told, the things you see online, the things you read by Google, and your experience with your own results, like with your own program, your own strategy. Um, I feel that anyone who is an SEO or is practicing SEO content, you know, is... I don't think they would see something in this study that would surprise them. Like I'm, I'm saying that and I'm not really selling it. I should be saying like, read it. You won't believe what we found. <laughs> factor number seven will surprise you. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I feel for, for many of us, it was, it was just a positive reinforcement of the things we, we believe or we know to be true or we see a lot. For everyone else, I think it's just a good direction, right? Okay, I saw that content quality came really high. What is my content doing on myself? How good is it? Like, what are the guidelines about what good content means nowadays? And try to start testing it and improving and iterating on your strategies more and more. Oh my God, there, there's so much great stuff to unpack there. And I really do agree with you because I feel like in a lot of ways, SEOs have a responsibility almost as scientists to hypothesize, test, and then, you know, you know, work move forward based on the results. And I think a lot of the ranking factor study, the correlation study really gives you at least a guide of what to test. And then you point out the different audiences, enterprise, small business, in in one of the the highlights of the study talks about reputation and you know the star ratings on a site and obviously that applies a lot more to a local business which is a completely different yes. algorithm than your global SEO so 
you know, it really can be confusing for people who are getting started. But one thing we were talking about that I want to kind of tap into is right before um, we started recording, it's talking about how intentional you and the team were with the phrasing, how you worded different aspects of this. Like you just mentioned content quality. And that was something that you actually kind of created a metric for around like keyword density and relevance and word embeddings. It's more complex, but, you know, choosing content quality has a certain intention that, you know, people think content quality, just like, is it good content? It's not as scientific as what you did. The other one I want, I would love for you to address is maybe the controversial part is deciding to call it a ranking factor study in the first place when we know how complex Google is and implying it's a ranking factor study, you've done these in the past, almost implies that we want to drive a narrative from the data, which is always risky. So can you speak to those intentional decisions in the mm -hmm. wording and, and what the mindset was there? Yes, of course. So um, I wrote down both of them because I think I'll forget while answering the first one, but you, you get me back into track if I digress. But so let's say the quality, the content quality score. Um, a, a true problem with content quality is that it's not really measurable. So we have like what, what I call proxy metrics, right? You can have uh, metrics that you find anywhere from using Grammarly or uh, Samrush um, SEO writing assistant, like they give you a score based on Flash Kincaid, based on phrasings. But when we look into Google guidelines, right? What is helpful content? What is quality content? What is quality user experience? This this is something way more complex than any of those metrics can get. And again, we do not profess to have quantified content quality. But what we had to do was either was one of two things, either completely ignore it and sort of say, okay, we cannot measure content quality with any of the metrics we have on hand, right? Or we could try to come as close as possible within the context of a study and the resources available and, and all of these other uh, things around us and say, okay, here's a valid proposition as to how we can quantify because it's an observational, it's, a, it's based on quantitative analysis, right? It's like, how can we quantify it? So at least we can see if there is a correlation there. So we we created a metric, and this is a metric as well that um, Marcus was building for the enterprise platform. It can help you come closer to understanding how how good content is. Um, that was intentional because we all know, we all read, we hear Google. We know that this is probably something important that you don't want to ignore in a study of this type. It's not like we're ignoring something that used to be massive 10 years ago, but no longer is. And so, okay, maybe no one cares. Um, and so we are, we approached it this way. Plus for relevance, we used embeddings, which took us beyond you know, just the, the phrase matching kind of approach, the traditional keyword analysis of does it have that in the text? We also did study those. And for me, one of the great things and um, just to iterate is like, okay, they they came up not as, as strong signals, whereas relevancy, when we measured it with, with embeddings, allowed us to actually see that the relation is there. So, so for me, that is just doing a study like this in 2023 and 2024 versus 
2020, for example, or 2017, we all have to progress. And for me, we have to do a lot better in the next one uh, since we all survived it. And, and I'm hoping <laughs> there will be a next one, which will be even better. But to we can come back to this if you want, but I really want to address the the calling it ranking factors because yeah. I know also that is um is a topic that you know triggers some emotions and and I understand them. Um, so my answer to that is obviously we we are not Google. We do not know. Like here's a bucket of factors. Here's a bucket of non-factors. We declare that the way we approached it is we used things, we explored things or signals based on two criteria. Either Google has said that they are a signal or the discussion in the industry around something being or not being important for us made it interesting to look into because we know for people to be talking about it, there might be something there. It will trigger their interest. Um, this study is done with by a company you know is a is a is a marketing content that that we put out so so how you market it is also part of it so so when we were discussing okay how do we call it like do we call it something else and and when i saw some people saying but you're lying to our face this is not a ranking factors this is misleading I'm thinking, okay, let's come up with something that is equally appealing in terms of marketing, but can also disclose quite succinctly like what it does, right? I, I couldn't find anything. Like I couldn't, I don't think, maybe I'm not a good marketer. I don't think I could market a study that is is titled correlation exploration of 300,000 uh, SERP listings with the view of understanding if something like it's, this is a naming convention that has been used in our industry for years, which means that people have already formed an idea of what to expect when they see that naming convention. So all joking aside, I hear that kind of uh, criticism. We make it very clear that, you know, it's it's like the factors and the signals we selected in this way to explore X. But how we name it in a way that is clear and perceived like in a in a consistent manner i think that does a a pretty good job however if anyone has a better idea on this um, <laughs> we we debated long enough about this internally but yeah i i think it's fair as long as we are not tricking anyone into believing we did something we did not yeah no i and i think that's fair i think it's really hard i think that intentions matter and obviously as we're discussing you put a lot of thought into that because the last thing you want to do is mislead and you really are focused so much on building community and to your point about google a it's not like we're going to have a yandex situation where someone's just going to release files and we'll have this like list of factors to parse and on top of that that said, we do have like the DOJ lawsuit where there's been reveals about Google talking out of both sides of their mouth in terms of being deceptive. And, you know, it's funny just reading through the correlation study of how, you know, you address user signals and bounce rate, like not being a correlated with, with rankings and things like that. So it's still interesting, regardless of how the narrative plays out, just to at least look at that data. Was there anything that surprised you from the study or that gets you excited confirms what you believed? Oh, there were tons of things. Like <laughs> the, 
the amount of conversation, the volume of conversations on Slack and on calls with the team. Uh, honestly, I cannot even describe. Um, I think if I kept something in the end, so initially I was I was more hopeful <laughs> that some correlations would be higher. Um, so I was um, I was expecting like things like the authorship or branded share traffic, like those correlations I thought would be higher. However, you know, once you remind yourself the the limitations, right? This is not broken down by type of query or by industry. Um, there's there's a lot of things at play there. Um I don't think like now that you ask me like this, I don't think something was hugely surprising for me. It was just mostly um, signals around like, you know, brand, trust, um, authorship, things like that. But but again, and, and that made it into the studies, like we, we made sure to say, look, our study didn't show a correlation. We believe it might be also due to its nature and, and its limitations. So the one thing I don't want is, an SEO going to their manager tomorrow after reading it and say, look, we need to scrap all our schema. We should stop anything we do there. Or, you know, conversely, we should just do schema from now on. That's the answer to everything. So <laughs> I hope that has not been the case for anyone. And yeah, I would I would be happy. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a great point. I, I saw that too. It's It like doesn't surprise me that schema doesn't play a bigger role because the truth is most people don't, unless you have a plugin that basically does it for you, I'd say, you know, nine out of 10 websites are not going to even even think about schema in the first place, even though it's so value as we, valuable as we uh, move forward in towards of like, you know, an AI driven, LLM driven yeah. sort of web. Um I am curious, speaking of AI, a little bit of a, of a pivot, but the last year was been AI this, AI that. I know, you know, SEMrush has has incorporated a few minor AI features you're looking to. What's your perception on Google results and how AI, you know, like what future trends in SEO should specialists be preparing for based on the study's findings? So, hmm, again... We with Marcus, we addressed it in in a sense of you know as we were preparing for the study as well and analyzing all the data, the um, the whole conversation was and still is around SG and whether Google is launching it, will our traffic tank? No, it's a great opportunity. So so at some points we were even doubting ourselves. It's like should we do it now? What if we launch in the next day? SG launches everywhere. <laughs> What's yeah. going on? But the idea is that, you know, we, we've been in SEO for a while to know that even like in the last in the, the last 10 years, right? Google has gone through a massive transformation. And and when we started, for example, well, I started in, in 2012, um, many things were very different. I haven't seen the the roots though of what good SEO, what effective SEO is like changing dramatically. What I've seen my my take on it is actually Google becoming more capable of of going towards a model that what they preach is actually what they can support. And I know there will be a lot of like, but look at the SERPs now, but look at what's happening with spam. But I feel like this is probably what's been going on because of AI, like entering everyone's laptops and everyone just prompting someone to write something. Um, and and it, it does go through that. 
So my take on it is that what Google is telling us they want to achieve and what makes sense for them to want to achieve as well, by the way, um, is, is to create experiences for users that really satisfy them, right? They, they want to keep users, keep using their products, right? So the more we go to personalization, the more we go towards these things. But what is the idea behind like doing SEO well? The idea as well is that you offer such a great experience that people will find you and then engage with you and then do what you expect them to do, right? So that main focus on, you know, offering an experience for a user, the information they're looking for, um, you know, not pissing them off, waiting for something to load for three hours, um, you know, knowing where to go to convert or trusting that, you know, you're not going to steal their money and run off. Those things, I don't see them changing. Like AI in that sense, like language models and, and generative AI and how it is used has been around for a while. We were perceiving it less maybe as, as even like daily users of it. But in reality, has informed the things we see for years now and, and their development. So I don't see that becoming irrelevant as we go ahead. I don't see like, okay, SG launching tomorrow and all of a sudden you don't have to have good content. Like that that's not the case. Um, and I think that's the basics and the principles we we have to to look at. And that's how I look at the study as well. Yes, there are some factors that are very specific and more um, like minor. But the principles of like, okay, we have some large areas in SEO that affect performance. So you have content, you have backlinks, you have um, user experience. All of those things remain. Mm -hmm. I Last question, I got to ask, and I agree with you about the AI stuff, like the fundamentals still change. And it's really great to pull it back to Google's goal of serving the user the best experience the, to answering their search intent. You are the head of SEO branding. Brand is a big conversation. The DOJ that I mentioned, um, lawsuit where, you know, click-through rates and brand affinities seem to benefit larger brands, even if their content is the best. Your personal opinion, do you think recognizable brand should trump the best content? Or do you think that if it's the best content that serves the user intent, in theory, Google should find a way to surface that over the most recognizable brand. Ooh, I'd hate to be Google nowadays. Uh, right. <laughs> but okay, so so here is my personal opinion. Right, I'm not I'm not personal uh, speaking for anyone else or saying someone has said it and it's official. My personal opinion is that it's very hard for a search engine to to achieve that level of excellence with so much content uh, out there and so many signals from, from different sources to achieve that level of that almost complete objectivity based on that content is great, it should do better. But here's, here's the, the plot twist for me. Having a big brand doesn't happen by accident, right? Having, having a brand, is not just a result of an Erica somewhere coming up with you know funny messaging that people love and that makes you a brand. Like let's let's consider, um, I don't know websites like Amazon for example, or let's go Airbnb. You can you can look at it from many perspectives, right? And it's like okay, they have amazing content on social, or they have this, they have that. But look at Amazon, their content is not the best, 
on product pages, right? But what I get as a user, and that is consistent through the years, so consistency matters, mm. is I have a, a big index of products. So as a consumer, that matters. Like if I go to a shop and I find three products versus being able to compare 300, I personally feel lost after a bit, but many times that has helped me. And then I have all this trust, you know, where are they? Is someone stealing my money? The amount of times I found something really appealing online. And then my worry is that it's someone in, in another place trying to scam me uh, to pay them money and never send what I'm intending to buy. So all of these things are collective signals that build a brand. I would argue that, yes, if you're a new company, you haven't had the time to build a brand yet, right? So you have to over rely on other things that you can control more imminently. But over time, it's almost for me, it doesn't make any sense not to have a reputation. If we if brand is your reputation, like what others say about what they think about you, it's kind of weird if after years of doing something and doing it well, you don't have that kind of reputation. So so I would think it's impossible to get to that level. Well, you know, you, I'm a, I'm a small retailer looking Amazon in the eye. Um, and maybe I shouldn't outrank them just because I have better content on my site. Because the element of trust with users goes beyond just, you know, a great landing page. That is such a fantastic answer. I'm with you. And it's and it's very compelling. And obviously, when you bring in something like e-commerce, that's a really great example of where the trust signals matter so much more than the content and just highlights all the different business models, all the different, you know, listing on SEO. Erica, this has been a pleasure. I really highly recommend anyone who's had a chance to dive into the Ranking Factor study. It is free. It's available. There is a link to it in the description notes of the show. Um, and obviously, look at it with a critical eye, with critical thinking, but use it to potentially build your own hypotheses. Is there any, any party words about the Ranking Factor study before we dive into the rapid fire rankings? Sorry, say it again. Any parting words on your end about the ranking factor study? One big takeaway uh, that people could take before we dive into the rapid fire rankings. No, just just read it with an open mind and use it to build hypotheses, review your you know um, things you felt strongly about or not at all, and and just test new things. I love it. Okay, so time for some rapid fire rankings. I'm going to put the music on. Are you ready for this, Erica? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No pressure. Quick answers. Here we go. Diving in. Rank your best SEO or marketing win. Rank my best. Yep. Your best SEO or marketing win. Hmm. Um, okay. Growing organic traffic to the Samrush blog in the first year by over 600%. That's amazing. Okay, you are allowed to say SEMrush, but rank your top three SEO tools. <laughs> okay, thank God I'm allowed to say SEMrush. So I will say um, SEMrush, uh, Google Search Console counts, right? It counts. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I, I really like also Asked as well. Oh, that's a great product, a great tool. Rank your best SEO trick 
or tactic? Okay. Um, I don't have tricks. Like my only trick is to be very, very dubious and very skeptical when people sell a trick or the only tactic you need to be successful. I love that. Right. Okay. What, this is a fun one. What's the biggest scam in SEO that you've recently seen? Okay. Uh, it's not recently, right? So I'm sorry, Garrett, I'm breaking the rules. Um, <laughs> but I really, really dislike when people share success stories out of context. So, you know, all these fancy graphs of zero to 100 million searches, you know, traffic in, in 12 months with only this one trick. So, so this is something that I consider dangerous and not honest. And this is why I really dislike it. I, I, I agree. And we see this so often. Okay. Rank what you love most about SEO. That you have to be equally analytical and creative and curious to be good at it. Oh, that's so good. That's well said too. Rank uh, your best learning SEO resource. Ah. <laughs> you can say Sam Rush. You guys have a great academy. No, but like you're killing me. Like it cannot be one. Like, can you be right. honest if it's only one? Okay, let me let me just mention. Um, I really want to give a shout out to Aleida Solis, who's doing an amazing job at educating um, people in this space of of different levels of knowledge. And I don't think any of us would know as much as we do without uh, Barry Schwartz. You know, uh, just continuously reporting and putting information out there and keeping us all in the loop with what is going on. It's ridiculous how much he publishes and Alita's fantastic. <laughs> Learning SEO is an amazing site. Okay, now an even more unfair question is rank the top one to three SEOs or marketers that you most admire or look up to. Okay, um, I'll put I'll put Alita again first. Um, I've, I've followed her for years. I happen to also know her now a bit more and, and I think she's she's amazing and she she is pushing the industry forward and in that collective level of knowledge. Um, I really, really admire uh, Mark Williams Cook and all the information and the knowledge he shares. Also, bizarrely, I've never disagreed with him on something which is very weird for me. Um, and if I can bring back someone who was paramount to me and my my learning and, and my growing, but is no longer around, was Bill Slusky. But um, I, I think he, he made us all better. Um, and I still find myself going back to to his content um, to to find things that are still relevant and useful for me. Bill, that's such a good call. I I can't even imagine how much fun, as much as fun as he has, would he be having over the past year of what was happening with Google? Like I thought about it so many times. I was like, what would Bill say? <laughs> what would he write right now? So yeah. He'd be writing so much more. Than anyway, so sad. Anyway, um, okay, this is a fun one. What's, uh, what's your generation AI hot take? <laughs> okay, so um, get ready for that. Is that we're not training AI, that it's training us. It has already become much smarter than we are. And it's just, just you know, either having a laugh or training us for something that we cannot even understand yet. I completely agree. I actually feel like, you know, in a lot of ways, SEO is the same way. The way we search, we were trained by Google, not, uh, you know, training Google, but maybe that's changing. And then finally, uh, rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote. 
Okay, thank you. Um, yes, I want to promote um, Medicine Sans Frontier. I, I have to say that with a French accent. Let's go back. Medicine Sans Frontier, uh, which is the Doctors Without Borders, essentially. Um, that is quite dear to me for, for a number of reasons. So, yeah. That's a great cause. This has been such an amazing conversation, Erica. I really appreciate your transparency and the thought and intention that you put into your work, uh, doing a fantastic job at SEMrush. If people do want to get in touch with you, where's the best place to find you? Best place is on LinkedIn. So just, just you know, with my name, they will find me and and I live there nowadays a lot more. I'm also on Twitter because, you know, I would feel like a fake SEO if I wasn't on Twitter, but I'm not as good with Twitter <laughs> nowadays. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to stay away, but many people don't stay away from it. So I can't afford to. <laughs> hey, that, that's what community is all about is you got to be where the community is. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been awesome. Thank you, Garrett. It's been my honor. Thank you. My name is Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank. Thanks for checking out another episode of the iPoll Rank Rankable podcast. We will catch you next week. See ya.